The ABC's word wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Rowley Sussex. And Rowley, where are you having a word in our ear from today? Good morning, Emma. Uh, 2 a.m. in Vienna in Austria, where it is unbelievably hot. Yes, I've seen headlines today that Europe's sweltering through a heat wave. It's been 35 plus, which they're not used to, and places in France, I think, have had 42 something. And uh, as a result, the, a lot of people are just sitting around in the, in the fountains and things, cooling off. And I'm afraid a lot of these big old buildings, once they warm up, turn into heat sinks, and it's very, very uncomfortable. Uh, however, tomorrow I'm heading for Dubai and then home. Uh, so I'll be back to humane temperatures in 25 in Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, humane for the time being. Uh, you know summer's on the way, don't you, Rolly? I do, I do. Now, I've seen photos of you in a gorgeous cafe in Vienna wearing your short-sleeved uh, summer, looks like a Hawaiian print shirt. So you're enjoying uh, the good life over there? I've been doing culture. And uh, that was the Mozart Cafe, which is a very famous place, and just over the, over the way from the Albertina, which is one of the best uh, collections of art anywhere. And today I also went to the uh, Kunsthistorisches Museum, which is the Art and History Museum, where I saw the famous picture by Bruegel of the Tower of Babel. And uh, so I've, I've been catching up with some pictures that I've known for a long time, never seen in the flesh. And uh, Vienna is an astonishing place. You find that uh, there are m museums for Schubert and Haydn and Beethoven. Uh, and, you know, the, the place is, is full of memories of the cultural history of, of stuff that we have in Australia, but you don't actually experience first up. So it's, it's, it's been a very, very busy few days. If you've got questions about language, something you've noticed, something new perhaps that you've heard, then to get a phone call into Rolly, uh, who is in Vienna, 1300 612. You just have to call that number. You don't have to call Vienna. Now, Rolly, one thing when you travel through uh, other places is that the capital city names or the city names are different in the language there than what they are in English. They do indeed, yeah. And this is, is a bit of a problem when you're trying to book your own thing online and you look at, say, Helsinki, and you find that another company is offering a tour to Helsingforce. And it turns out that in Finland uh, there are two national languages. One is Finnish, and that is Helsinki, and the other one is Swedish, where the name of the city is Helsingforce. And sometimes both of them coexist at the same time. Very... Uh, easy for the people who live there, quite problematic for those outside. We've got a bit of this in Australia with indigenous languages, uh, with Ayers Rock and Uluru. And they've taken it much further in New Zealand, um, where, for example, Aotearoa is, uh, is, is the, the word for New Zealand. And uh, in my area, every New Zealand university has its name in both English and in Maori. So that, you know, you, you've got the idea of uh, there are two ways of talking about something depending on what cultural background you're coming from. Now, I've been looking at Europe and you find in Italy, say, that uh, Milan is in Milano in Italian 
And I suppose in, in a way we ought to call it Milano out of respect for them. But when you go to Germany, it's Mailand, M-A-I-L-A-N-D. And this is just one of the cases. There's Torino, which is Turin, and even Roma, which is Rome. Oh, the line to Vienna. Or is it Wein? Is that how uh, they say Vienna? Wien in uh, Austrian? Close to Deutsch. I have this as well as we just wait for Rolly's line to pop back up, hopefully. When I was living in Moscow, yeah. Rolly, and uh, in, oh, in, yeah. you know, in Russian, it's Moskva. Uh, but it is. we were in Moscow. Yes, and in German, it's Moscow, which is K-A-U. And in American, and in it's Moscow. Moscow. <laughs> Moscow, yes. Well, there's there's Iraq and Iraq and so on. The Americans have their own way of pronouncing some countries, but at least they spell them the same. But, say, the, the River Thames in French is Tamise, which is T-A-M-I-S-E. And uh, I've got some other interesting examples from India, which have to do with decolonialization. Now, the, the names under the British Raj were very much anglicized. So you get Madras and Bombay and Calcutta. But the Indians have changed these to be consistent with the local way the names are said. So Madras has become Chennai, Bombay has become Mumbai, and Calcutta is Kolkata. And uh, nowadays the old names, if you use them, um, they will be recognized outside India to some extent. But certainly if you're doing any holiday bookings and you use the wrong one, it just won't come up at all. Um, and one which I, I really quite like is Beijing, because Beijing means city of the north in Chinese, um, parallel to Nanjing, which means city of the south. Now, the, the, the name Peking was in fact the Cantonese pronunciation, which is a South China dialect spoken around Hong Kong. And so the people from Britain who first heard about Beijing heard Peking, and that's what they called it. Nowadays, of course, it is Beijing for every purpose that I know except for Peking University. And this is a bit strange because in, in Chinese this is Beijing Dashue, which is Beijing University. But the university became famous in times past for being called Peking University. And that's the name they've actually used in, in uh, current international in practice. So when you travel around the world, you need to know that uh, there are different ways of calling the places that you visit. If you go to Aachen, uh, said in German, it is Aix-la-Chapelle in French. And that's because the two countries have very close borders near there, and they've been talking about this place for a thousand years, and they've got their own ways of talking about it. But does it explain Albury-Wodonga? <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> I don't think anything, anything explains that. Uh, but again, Australia... Australia is starting to get to the point where we're, we're thinking about using indigenous names for things like on the Uluru map pattern. Our problem is not like the New Zealand ones because the Kiwis have got really just one indigenous language, which is Maori, and they've been able to introduce very language respectful practices um, using Maori words for all sorts of things. In Australia, we've got depending on how you count them, between 70 and 120 indigenous languages. And the names differ depending on where you are. So we've got an awful lot of work to do before we can do this kind of thing. We definitely can. This is, uh, do have that work. Professor Rolly Sussex is on the line to you from Vienna. 
And the calls are coming in for you, Rolly. The number is 1300 612 to have a chat with Rolly about anything that's puzzling you in terms of language. And specifically today we're talking about uh, different place names and different pronunciations for them as well, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, the first call coming in for you, Rolly, is Sydney, who's called in from the Sunshine Coast. Sydney, what's your question for Rolly? Um, so my question is, do you say twice as fast or two times as fast? Because my dad always gets really angry at ads and stuff when it says two times as fast. <laughs> That's a good one, Sydney. Um, what's happening is that there are a few words which are slowly falling out of use. And we used to have thrice, T-H-R-I-C-E, for three times. And I haven't heard anyone say thrice for a very long time. Now, two times versus twice, the two times one is the way the Americans prefer to say it. And that is getting a lot of following in Australia. Twice is a little bit older and at the moment both are correct and so if you if you say two times you're definitely not wrong and i suspect that in about 10 years the word twice will be you know people will hear it and say oh that's a bit old uh, so you're on the right track uh, but your father is certainly still right and you should respect him for it sydney what does your dad do he gets angry um he gets angry and he shouts at the TV and we always have to say, Dad, they can't hear you. Do you know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very familiar, Sydney. Thank you very much for calling in. It's a quarter past ten on ABC Radio, Brisbane and Queensland. Emma Griffiths with you with Professor Rowley Sussex on the line from Vienna. I feel very special talking to you all the way from Vienna, Rolly. Um, as I'm sure Stephen in Indrapilly does. Stephen, what did you want to say to Rolly? Oh, g'day, Rolly. How you going? Hey, hotly, thank you. you. You chose a particularly dumb time to go to Europe, but you were a bit unlucky with that heat wave. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're right. But um, out of these four, Hayden, Mozart, Beethoven, and and Schubert, and what's his name? Full name Franz Joseph Schubert. He was the only mm. one that actually grew up there, lived there. Is there a lot yes. more um, sort of memorials and tributes to him because he lived there, or is it sort of more evenly uh, distributed? And who's your favourite out of those four? Ah, okay. There are statues and memorials all over the city, and not only to them, but also to, say, uh, the Strausses, who wrote all right. those waltzes, father and son. And also, you, you, they're slightly weird. You come across a little plaque on a house which says, Mozart lived here from so-and-so to such-and-such, -such, or this is the concert hall where Mozart such-and-such -such work was first performed. And you really feel that you're part of a, con you know, a, a continuation of beautiful music. Which one do I love? I'm, I've been getting more and more into Schubert as I, as I get older. And uh, I think that particularly some of his lace work is, is quite unbelievable. But which, if you think which, about it... Any, in, any particular one stand out to you? Oh, the last, the last quintet with the extra cello, Deutsch 956, I think it is, um, is something that I discovered about four or five years ago and I've been listening to with absolute spellbound ever, ever, ever since. But again, the, uh, every day here there are Mozart and Strauss concerts being offered in four or five places and uh, the, the, I suppose the depth of the music culture is really quite extraordinary. Mm. Uh, and you, you, you know, you walk around the place thinking, you know, I, I I've, I'm standing in a place where Schubert or Mozart 
were, you know, so-and-so when, you know, a couple of hundred years ago. It's really quite, quite moving. Classical music as well with uh, Professor Rowley Sussex as we talk language and culture. Uh, Leon has called in from Roma for you, Rowley. Hello, Leon. Hello to you, Tom. Um, a common saying out here now, and I just don't know if it's right or not, is it just doesn't sound right. It is what it is. Is, is that good English or bad English or what? <laughs> um, it's this is one of those phrases which has become glued together and lots of people start using it and we don't really think once we do what the various pieces mean individually it's certainly a very frequent uh, phrase in conversation and it means that's the way things are and there's nothing much you can do about it so it's it's accepted it's listed in modern dictionaries of spoken english and although it sounds a bit bit odd uh, it certainly is part of our language part of our culture too perhaps accepting that things aren't always going to be perfect rolly i think so yep definitely including the weather in vienna uh, Judy has called in from Toowoomba. Good morning, Judy. Oh, good morning, and good morning, Rolly and the team. I'm calling in about... I'm reading a book about the Jews in Russia in um, during the pogroms and how they had that pale of settlement. And I was wondering if the expression beyond the pale came from those days. That's a great question. No, it didn't. Um, there was another pale in Ireland, and that was the area which was outside the, the, the space that the British controlled. And so if it was beyond the pale or outside the pale, it meant that it was, it was part of the wilds of Ireland, and, and they, they couldn't actually exert any control over it. Um, the, the Jewish ones were, there were ghettos of, of Jews all over the place. And uh, again, one of the things that you're very conscious of in this part of the world is that, you know, from such and such a place, so many thousand Jews were taken away and were never seen again. And uh, the word pogrom, by the way, is a Russian word, and I'm afraid it, it tended to mean, you know, Christ is risen and this is Easter, and uh, they then went... Oh, just about to give us a punchline. And his line drops out 20 past 10 on ABC Radio Brisbane. It's uh, Rolly Sussex on the line from Vienna. Though. There you are. Sorry, yeah. Rolly. Could you please just uh, yep. rewind a little bit because the line dropped out there for about 10 seconds. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm back again, yeah. Mm -hmm. And in this part of the world, the, um, the, uh, the ethnic barriers, say, between the Czechs and the Germans and the Germans and the Poles and the, uh, and the Poles and the Czechs and everybody and the Jews uh, have been very much exacerbated over history to the point where there have been uh, massacres and also uh, say in Vienna the Turks got to the gates of Vienna uh, several times and there were battles when Vienna might actually have become Muslim as well uh, and that would have changed the face of Europe if you wish. Uh, I visited today the, uh, the Schönbrunn Palace and that was the place where the Austro-Hungarian Empire was run from and that is the most sumptuous expression of a very powerful regime with lots of money to spend on being impressive. Uh, Rolly, that term that Judy mentioned, though, the pale of settlement, what does that actually mean? Mm. 
Oh, it, in Ireland it meant that this was the area the, beyond which the, the British could not control things anymore. And it was, it was around Dublin for a long while, and they had a, a sort of area where they, they were confident that they, they had control of what was going on. But there are other pales, um, particularly in Jewish, Jewish areas of Russia, and uh, these are places where people were um, confined, like ghettos, uh, or like the Warsaw Ghetto, say. Uh, and their their movements were restricted, and often they were kept in in disgracefully bad conditions. Does this go to a meaning of the word pale that may be less used now? Is there something I'm missing? Oh yes, yes. No, no. The pale was was sort of a, a fencing pale, and that was the, that was the fence beyond which uh, anything could happen, and they couldn't guarantee it. Rolly, you, you, such a font of information. Uh, tw <laughs> 23 past 10, thank goodness for Rolly, we often say. Uh, this is ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. Rolly, Blythe has called in from Ipswich to chat to you in Vienna. Blythe, what did you want to say? Hello, uh, you got me? Yeah, are you Blythe? Yeah. Oh, well, that's I'm good then. Rolly's here. What do you want to say? Uh, I wanted to, um, I've noticed over the years that it was uh, the Australian accent has been changing under its own right. And I just want, uh, I've got three words I've written down here in particular that I've noticed the pronunciation has changed on. And I'll be just interested to know what uh, Rolly's, uh, uh, whether he agrees with me or what commentary I'd like to give. Now, the first word is known, K-O-W-N is now pronounced known. Tua, T-O-U-R, is now pronounced Tua. And most recently, uh, referring to the Banking Royal Commission, banking is now pronounced banking. And uh, this is done by journalists who are meant to you know, you know, have university degrees. I just wanted to what Rolly comments on that word. Well, they, I think yep. they do have uni degrees. I'll just stand up for the journos here, Blythe. <laughs> Rolly, what do you think? Okay. No one is uh, turning that into two syllables. Is something that's been happening for about the past generation. Uh, Mr. Howard used to say forward, and that's part of the same sort of phenomenon. Um, and the Irish tend to say not film but film, so there is a tendency when you've got the end, certain endings of words to make them into two syllables rather than one. A bit unusual because most of the changes are in the direction of shortening rather than lengthening. So Blythe, you've got a good accurate ear there. Tour, um, again, the educated and careful pronunciation is still tour, ur, ur. It's just one syllable, but tour, making it two. Again, same sort of thing. Uh, and it, it's not... I think is widely accepted. I certainly wouldn't say it, and I don't think it would be very common on the ABC, say. Now, banking, uh, other than banking, one strong stress at the start of the word and the other syllable unstressed, banking versus banking, uh, that is, is really uh, odd unless they're being very emphatic about something. The banking sector, you know, if they're trying to, to say something critical, say. But in normal running speech, you should be saying banking with the stress on the first syllable and the second one is hardly audible. Thank you so much, Rolly. Uh, on your tour 
of Europe uh, for joining us this past <laughs> yeah. couple of weeks. Um, on the Aussie accent question there as well, thank you so much, Blythe, for that. Uh, I was recalling that last week uh, you, your, let me get this right, uh, you were speaking in uh, Czech and yes. uh, the locals there thought that you might be Polish. Now, that was because yes. of family connections that you've had, but you are an awfully well-spoken Australian. So are you getting any other sort of, um, uh, you know, people mistaking you for other nationalities while you're there now in Austria? That's interesting. Um, my German is fairly careful literary German, and um, you hear that around Austria, say on, on the buses, the, there's a recorded message which says, uh, get off here for line such and such, and that is in the sort of ling uh, German that I speak and understand. The Viennese uh, German is enormously different, and beautiful, and musical, and <laughs> terribly difficult for me to follow. And as soon as I open my mouth, they look at me and they think, Ah, right, he's not one of ours. <laughs> and sometimes sometimes they then say, uh, well, look, I, would you prefer to talk English? Which I don't want to do because I want to practice German. Um, by the way, the other thing that's happened uh, in, uh, the, in my touring uh, capacity with German is I've got, of course, mobile app on the phone which guides me from place to place, and that's, that's absolutely invaluable for tourists. But unfortunately, the the app turns the local names into something that is sort of Australian pronunciation. So if you had, say, Eisbahngasse or whatever, it would be Eisbahngas. <laughs> and if you, if, you then, if you then ask one of the locals, I mean, I've made that one up, but if you ask one of the locals where that is, they'd look at you and say, I haven't a clue what you're talking about. What you've got to do is to show them the map on the phone Whereupon they will say, oh, yes, Eisbahngasse, and they will have the identification through the writing, uh, whereas the way you pronounce things is going to be different. So, tourists, if you're going overseas and you're using your phone and you want to check something with a local, show them the phone and get them to check the writing, otherwise you'll be in strife. Yeah. We'll be having lots of funny conversations, as I can imagine are common anyway. One more call today for you, Rolly. Ken at Warwick. Hello, Ken. Uh, good day, Rolly. Um, always love to hear you. You're in Europe right now, and the question I have is that many years ago we went to the metric system and we have joules and calories. Now, calories is a metric thing there, but it's been thrown out with food. And I asked the science teacher, why do we have joules and all of this? And he said that joules is all associated with forces and physics and that sort of stuff. But calories have always been associated with, with food. Why can't we get calories back? Uh, well, I think calories are there, and it depends on what sort of literature you're in. Uh, joules is, is a unit of work or energy in physics. Um, calories is more related to things which produce heat, I think, and it's a good measure of the nutritional value of the stuff you're eating. And I should say that Europe has become extremely self-conscious about, about food, and so I, I hear quite a lot of talk about, about calories as well here. By the way, Emma, the other thing that features in Central Europe is unbelievable amounts of smoking still. Oh. Australia has gone a long way further. Um, I'm an ex-smoker and a rabid non-smoker, and it's really quite distressing at the amount of smoking that's happening in all sorts of public places here. Uh, we are a long way further down the track. And you mentioned, though, that they're very self-conscious about food. What have you noticed? Mm. Oh, the uh, the... 
Well, for example, if you happen to be um, a celiac or gluten-free, pretty well every restaurant I've been into has had a section of the menu devoted to that and a great em emphasis on things like salads. And uh, traditionally, a lot of the cuisine in this part of the world had heavy, heavy dumplings and things like that. Seems to me to be a lot less of that than they used to be, and the cuisine you find is very much more international. But can you find a as well, by the way, as uh, as uh, the the uh, you know McDonald's and so on, which are all over the, the the planet. Can you find a Vienna tort though? Oh yes, and it's a torte with an e on the end, and uh, a Zacher torte at the Zacher Hotel, and these are beautiful, indulgent chocolate Viennese things. People drink coffee with a great glob of beaten cream on top, and uh, the Viennese are still happily indulgent in things. Oh, that line, it's a killer. We're going to let Rolly go there. Rolly, uh, I think it was about to say that the Viennese are happily indulging in those sorts of things. Bring us one back, Rolly, if you can still hear a Vienna torta. On your radio and online. At home or on the road. This is ABC Radio.